Welcome to the Story of My Life conversation series. My name is Kat Short, and I'm the founder of Tell Your Damn Story. The guiding word for this project is suffuse. Suffuse means to gradually spread through or over, and its origin is the Latin words sub fundura, meaning to pour into or pour from below. My intention with these conversations is to gradually pour more honesty and authenticity into the online space through candid and unstructured storytelling. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's go. My next conversation is with my dear friend, Ginger Kern. Ginger is in the, in the business of spreading joy, both in her work with Wishlist, where she helps companies recognize and reward employees through impactful experiences, and the rest of her life as well. Before COVID-19 took hold, uh, Ginger and I and our friend Amy took a trip to Mexico City together, and it was such a gift to travel with her. We spent our days eating and exploring and dancing and drinking, and it was just magical. She's an incredible photographer, a dancer, a writer, and a linguist. She speaks, I believe, four different languages and counting. I believe her next endeavor is to learn Portuguese. While we've only known each other a few years, she has brightened my life in so much in that short time, and I can't wait for this conversation to come about. So thank you, Ginger, so much for joining me. This is a very new project on my end, and um, and to those of you listening, I reached out to a handful of um, really inspiring and diverse friends that I have in my life and mostly women actually that are I orbit around um, in various ways and Ginger has been a friend for a few years now and we've kind of I've peripheral peripherally whoa peripherally known her like through the starting block community and things like that and I watched her TED talk a while back um, before actually ever meeting her but um, since then we have become really good friends and we traveled to Mexico right before all this craziness began. Um, sometimes some days I wake up and I still really wish I was still there with, with her and with our friend Amy. Um, but, um, I'm so grateful to you for taking the time and trusting me, um, enough to share this conversation. And, um, as I mentioned in the email, kind of the intent with this project is it just feels like we are, we're, we're consuming a lot more on, on, online, I think, than we have in, in a while. And it's kind of our outlet for the world. And so the things we're bringing in are all coming from our headphones or our screen or, you know, our immediate vicinity, whatever's happening in our home. And this word came to mind um, of suffuse, which is um, to gradually spread through or over. And um, it means like being something being poured into. And I just felt really called to share some just kind of like candid conversations with friends, um, with people who I really admire about um, like pouring something different into that that space and that that people are consuming and kind of pulling from and giving um, perhaps another option to what is what what is currently there and what has been there before. So thank you <laughs> for being here. Beautiful. Yeah, no, thank you. I love the description. And like I said, uh, uh, as we were kind of talking about doing this, uh, that word suffuse is not really one that I use a lot in my vocabulary, but the way that you brought it to the table was such a, a gentle, like feminine way. Mm. Um, and it made me wonder, almost at a meta level, what would podcast culture be like if 
it were not seen as like a goal oriented interview, but mm-hmm. rather as just a space for two people or more to come together and have a conversation with the intention of, yeah, suffusing or <laughs> diffusing maybe <laughs> um, energy into a space, into audio, into, you know, people's um, hearts and minds. So yeah, I'm happy to be here. It's nice to, yeah, have a little bit of open space to just chat and connect as well. Mm. So, yeah. It really is. It really is. And it's so good to see your face, even if it's just on a screen. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> what has been, you asked me this question and it has stuck with me forever. And you, you asked me a while ago, you said, um, I think it was at women's group. And you said, like, how do you feel in your body mm. right now? And that has stuck with me so much for ever since you asked it. Like I asked myself that question. I find myself asking that question to myself over and over and over again throughout the course of the day. Um, so I guess I just wanted to pose it back to you. How do you feel in your body right now? Oh, yay. Thank you. Um, I also like super, I get like really giddy when I notice that like something that I said sticks with people. (laughs) So there's this like childish sort of like I guess part of it is egotistical, but I just, I find a lot of, I get a lot of pleasure out of um, hearing that and, and mm-hmm. just knowing that, you know, something I said has stuck with you. So thanks for letting it me really know. has. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess like one note on why I like the question. I really like the question because when we ask, how are you? It's an automatic question and it's an, usually an automatic response that we, that we get. Um, and asking, how do you feel in your body? is effectively getting at the same thing, right? Because when, mm-hmm. when we ask, how are you? And we really want to know the answer, people might actually let us know like, hey, I'm, I'm actually not that great today. Um, mm-hmm. But when you specifically ask people to like tune into their body and um, in asking, how do you feel in your body today? <laughs> um, then I feel like it just gives, at least when people ask it to me um, or when I observe answers like of, of people responding, um, gives them more space to actually presence what's going on and mm. clear it out of the way so that like once it's observed, once it's spoken, once it's received, um, they can be a lot more present in the conversation and not be distracted by their neck pain or the fact that they're hungry mm. or like the fact that they just feel really sad because of whatever. So anyway, that's like mm. a bit on why I like asking the question. Um, to answer the question though, <laughs> I, it's so funny. I, 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 this is how I know I'm an extrovert, Miss Kat. Um, about five minutes before hopping on this call with you, I was feeling like super low energy, you know, 4 p.m. afternoon time. Been staring at a screen for most of the day. Like, um, you know, most of us who are working from home and have that privilege are doing. Um, yeah. And then I hop on with you and now I feel really great in my body. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so, yes, I feel I feel relaxed. I feel definitely some tension in my my quads and in my butt because I did a workout yesterday that I've never done before, and <laughs> my butt is really sore. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's by that that twerk fitness lady person. Um, oh yes. And, uh, oh my yeah. gosh. What is her name? Nastya. Nastya. Yes. Yeah, yes. she's Ukrainian. Anyway, so I I started her like. like booty at home booty workout plan <laughs> and it's clearly working so it's definitely working yes so I'm feeling that I'm feeling that and then um well let's see 
yeah, if I do like a little mini body scan, I guess um, the only other thing is I'm like a teeny bit hungry, but other than that, I feel pretty good. I feel mm. pretty good. So, yeah. How, I, I, and I, I'm conscious like not to make this conversation all about, you know, what it's like in quarantine, but, yeah. but I do feel like I want to know, um, sure. like, how are you, how are you finding meaning for yourself in these, in these days? Mm. Like, um, oh, that's a great question. Yeah. As someone who I think both of us, we really like to adventure and explore and move around and, um, and we're not necessarily doing that actively right now. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, I find it's like, it is active, but it's in smaller ways. Like for me, mm-hmm. uh, and that's actually been a really beautiful return to, I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like it's forcing me to return to maybe more, um, the routines and rituals that my grandmothers would have partaken mm-hmm. in. Um, and I, I mean like very simple stuff, like walking for an entire hour with no goal in mind, like not even going for a hike. Obviously I live in Boulder and it's very close to the foothills. I could, um, conceivably do that, you know, every day, but, um, I don't know. It's not, it's not about that for me. It's like really like the adventure has been in the season and, um, Mm -hmm. I've really enjoyed noticing the signs of spring change day by day by day by being confined to a smaller area, mm-hmm. a smaller radius, and seeing the same trees over and over and noticing how they've changed from one day to the next. So um, that for me has been really life-giving, um, actually. Mm-hmm. Also because I love spring. I love spring energy. And I love blossoms. I love the, the smells that come out. And I love seeing the birds. And um, there's even like a little bird that has made a nest right outside of our condo, mm-hmm. like on the drainage pipe or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, that bird comes back every year. I don't know if it's the same one, but it's the same type of bird. <laughs> anyway, I feel like I'm rambling, but that's kind of like mm. where I've found the solace or like where I've found the mini adventure, even though I don't like, I don't even feel like I really need adventure right now. Um, mm. I don't feel like this is a time for that. Like if I actually tune into the time, it doesn't, I feel like it's, um, it would feel like I was resisting something if I were trying to like constantly seek adventure in this particular time period. Mm-hmm. And I don't particular. I don't, I just don't need to effort in that way, you know, I'd yeah. rather like align with the energy and like, just be with it mm-hmm. um, and find whatever peace or enjoyment or contentment. Um, yeah. In, in aligning with it uh, that I can. So mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you, you mentioned your, your grandmothers and how they would, they would mm-hmm. live. And I know you have a, you've talked a little bit about like your, your knowledge of your family lineage and like the history of it. But what do you, when you say that, what do you imagine yeah. your grandmother doing? Like what, where was she living? What was she wearing? What was she doing? For sure. Um, well, I mean, the one that I knew, cause like my dad's grandma, she um, actually died when I was, three. So I didn't really know her well. Um, so it's really my, my mom's mom that I have like a clear concept of. Um, I do have like a lot of stories um, that my dad and my mom have told me about my great grandmothers, um, who were the immigrants in these cases. Um, but when I think of like, what would my grandma be doing? I'm thinking of my Scottish grandma. Um, mm-hmm. and so she definitely would be like baking up a storm and making <laughs> tea. She would be making a lot of tea, <laughs> and, like, just, um, like making shortbread and just hanging out and, and, and making, I don't know, she would make jello a lot, which I don't like as an adult, but I loved it as a kid. So mm-hmm. she would probably be making more jello than I would. 
would. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, other than that, definitely long walks. I think walk, walking has just been um, something that, I don't know, my family has always done, whether it's together or, I, I mean, I just, I can recall my my mom or my dad going on solo walks just throughout like our neighborhood growing up, but that was like totally normal. Mm. Um, you know, not with music or anything, just to, just to go for a walk. And that was it. Yeah. <laughs> so, no agenda. <laughs> no agenda. You're just moving your legs, like, getting, you know, getting blood flowing. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure there are probably other elements like, yeah, that have to do with just staying closer to home, like cleaning. Like I think springtime is such a beautiful time to get back to that ritual of, of spring cleaning, but really make it a ritual, like not just feel like you're attacking your house with Clorox. (laughs) (laughs) Like is probably smart. All the things. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Maybe not the plants. Don't, don't Mm -hmm. plants. Um, (laughs) your house plants that is, um, yeah, that's something that I've, that I've just started this week to get into is like that sort of spring deep clean feel, mm. um, which is fun. I don't know. I like putting on music and opening all the windows and letting the fresh air run through the whole place and getting into the cracks and crevices of, of the like window sills that mm. have dust and dirt because the air here in Colorado is so dry and dusty all the time, even in the winter, like stuff just like comes in and settles there. Mm. So yeah, that's, yeah. um, I imagine <laughs> also probably what my grandmother's <laughs> would have been doing in a time like this and always. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I too have been, I've been feeling like that. It's almost like this, like, it's like a primal need to like mm-hmm. cleanse and clear. Um, I, I've been feeling that, especially after the the supermoon on Tuesday, that just felt so, I don't know if you did any ritual for that, but I, I didn't do much. I just went out and had a moon bath and <laughs> just like really felt the energy of the moon. And I noticed that this, this particular moon cycle has been so much more, I felt so much more in tune with it than I have in the past. And I, I can probably credit that to like a lack of constant movement and distraction. But um, I don't know if you've, you've been feeling that, but I, cause I know that you, you are very attuned to cycles and changes of seasons. And um, that's one of the things that I, I find most fascinating and, and admire so much about you is how like how conscious you are of those cycles in yourself and in the world. And I was wondering how, if you've noticed any change in the last few weeks for yourself. Hmm. Um, Certainly since, you know, you and I and Amy got back from Mexico city, that was a, that was a hell of a change. That was like, you know, a hundred miles an hour to 10 (laughs) or five, let's say maybe four, because that's like speed walking. Um, Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, man, it was so interesting coming back. And I mean, not the least, the, the reason for, for me anyway, that it felt so jarring was because we came back from a place that by all intents and purposes was business as usual. Everything was open, all stores, all restaurants, people, you know, I mean, I rem- obviously our last night, I'll just kind of like recap this little tiny little travel story um, <laughs> and then bring to sort of present day. Our last night in Mexico City, we went out for drinks and um, went to went back to a natural wine bar called Loop Bar, and um, sat there outside on the terrace, um, or like the the sidewalk, like the patio. And two restaurants down, there happened to be an entire table of 
mostly men, mostly mm-hmm. young men, celebrating this one dude's birthday. Very loudly, very drunkenly, very like, <laughs> just so expressively. It was wonderful. And, and to the point where, you know, street musicians come by like normal. And there was this one guitarist who just like walked by and started playing for their table. And then apparently, I guess they must have requested songs and it was his birthday. And so then the entire table started singing at the top of their lungs with the guitarist and like <laughs> the three of us and like the other people, you know, two, two little restaurants down were just totally loving it. It was like one of those travel moments where it's like so perfect. You definitely mm-hmm. would not like, I don't know. I could see maybe like my dad being really annoyed with it, but I'm thrilled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. I was thrilled. It was like was street, street corner karaoke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, not to mention when the guys like got on the table and started, mm-hmm. like, you know, dancing and also I think, didn't he like removing I, shirts? That yeah, was yeah, the thing. Took yeah. out their shirts, like they started <laughs> spanking the one guy. What? Like, it was, it turned into a whole thing. It was like, it was like a party. It was an experience. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're just like sipping our wine and like, <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty great. Um, but to go from that and then literally the next day get back and, you know, not only are we coming from a, we were coming from a really colorful place, visually speaking, to a brown <laughs> wintry place, um, very dry, brown, tan <laughs> colors here in Colorado right now. Um, but then of course the, just the level of activity, everything was so depressed or like, um, slowed down. Mm -hmm. Uh, and a lot of people were already working from home and just the, the, the energy of, I guess at that point, I didn't feel so much fear from people. Like I didn't feel fear. I felt uncertainty and doubt instability. So feeling that in, you know, my colleagues where I was working remotely before I kind of shrugged it off. I was like, ah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but then like, you know, coming back, it's it just like really actually energetically and, and physically hit. Um, so yeah, I think that force, that rapid slowdown of, Hey, this is the new reality. You're in it, deal with it. Um, you know, that, that, uh, <laughs> you either resist that or you attune to it and you just go with it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it took a little while to, to attune to it for me. Um, but to your point about just the last couple of days or, like the last um, <clears throat> lunar cycle, really. I don't know if I feel more sensitive. Um, I feel, I guess, my normal level of sensitive, <laughs> um, but I definitely feel slower. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel, I feel calm. I, I'm like I mentioned, super extroverted naturally. And I usually have a lot of events going on, social things social functions, if you will, <laughs> in the evening, but I don't have that or I have it in, you know, smaller doses. Um, and that feels actually really good. Uh, I'm wondering like how, <clears throat> how natural it is for me to um, kind of keep some boundaries around that mm. as we eventually transition perhaps back to some sense of what things were. Um, yeah just an open question on my mind. I don't have an answer to it right yet, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah, it's an open question. I think it's a valid question. So. I think yeah. I, I love that. And I, I think for me, I, what I've re- realized during this time is like, it's like, I'm so good at, at holding ritual and, um, and honoring those things for myself. Like I, 
like creating containers is kind of, it's how I maintain sanity always. And I think it's, it's funny. It's like, it's almost the opposite for me. And that makes sense because I'm like much more introverted, but now I'm getting like all the introvert time in the world. And I guess what I'm really, really craving is, um, is that element of spontaneity of just like something new happening that I couldn't plan for. Cause it's like, I can, I can have experiences online and I can have conversations like this and spontaneous things arise from that and insight arises, but it's like, there's no more going out and just being surprised by seeing something, you know? Um, and I, I, I'm realizing how much I've missed that and um, like uh, experiencing the world in that way of, of kind of like the external excitement. <laughs> yeah, stimulation. Yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. sure. yeah, I think that is, you know, regardless of introvert or extrovert, I think that's a false dichotomy anyway, but just a tendency, like regardless mm-hmm. of what, what end of the spectrum you tend towards, I think you and I share that like free spiritedness and that, that mm-hmm. keen sense for, you know, desire for newness, novelty. Um, and I wonder, you know, you, you mentioned maybe not being surprised as often or not feeling like you're finding things that are surprising you. I'm curious, like, it, does that just have to do with the scale of the surprises that you're used to? Like, what are, are you talking about kind of like the, I don't know, the chance encounters where you run across someone that you didn't expect to, which obviously couldn't happen now because people aren't really outside. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, out, or are you, you know, I'm, I'm just curious about the scale of the surprise itself. Like I'm wondering if maybe you can attune to like the smaller surprises mm-hmm. or the more nature-based surprises that, you know, obviously are continuing to happen <laughs> because it's nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Yes. Yeah. I, I loved what you said about the, the trees, the trees and flowers changing. Cause I, I've, I've noticed that too. And I think that that's very much it is I'm just having to dig deeper for, for that spontaneity. And it's, it's funny. I, I re- I'm realizing I spend so much time in my head that it really does take something quite like shocking to like pull me out of my like insular mm-hmm. in my headness. And, um, and I think that that's why this is, I mean, this is this time is teaching everyone totally different lessons about living for in their own way. But I think for me, it's yeah. teaching very much like what you said of of paying attention more to the more subtle nuances of what's happening around me versus mm-hmm. those just shocking loud noises that kind of like oh, mm-hmm. pop me out of my head, you know. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that like actually almost like startle you into mm-hmm. taking them into account. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. What do you, um, how are you feeling about like your family and your parents? And I've been thinking about this a lot recently of just like, um, feeling at like both really far away from them and also very, a lot closer than we've been in a while, just from like the, the number and level of conversations we're having right now. Um, does that feel true for you? It's a little different. Um, I guess also different because, um, well, remind me, your parents are in New Mexico? They're in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And they were in Denver kind of like on and off last year, mm-hmm. I guess, like closer to you. Yeah. yeah. So I've been, I don't know. I mean, I guess I just compare it differently because when, like the, the frequency of communication has changed a little bit. Um, like, for instance, we're talking once a week instead mm-hmm. of, 
once every two weeks or something like that. But I'm not, I've never been a person to like call my mom every day. Uh, I know some people have that type of relationship with their parents and that's like super awesome and beautiful. I just, I don't have that, um, you know, or I don't, I guess like need that level of frequency to maintain the relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, we definitely email often. <laughs> um, and actually my dad was texting me about my finances this whole afternoon. So believe me, <laughs> you and I've talked about the fatherly finances conversation. <laughs> oh yes. We have. We could, we could spend the rest of this time talking about that too. Um, yeah. But you know, just like they're, they're very, um, they're embracing it in their Wisconsin way and they're staying safe and they're, um, just North of Milwaukee. So pretty small. Um, like I guess all, all things considered low case count in terms of numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, like my dad definitely has preexisting health conditions, um, with concerning his lungs specifically mm-hmm. that weaken him. And, um, I'm sure, you know, it would be a, a huge challenge if he were to get it, um, and to get ill. And I had one, I can like just distinctly remember I had one night where I was absolutely in tears and like pre-processing his death. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I don't know, my system does that. Like it just, it has its day, you know, my body wants to feel the emotions and cry it out. And then I can get back to doing what I'm doing. Um, Mm -hmm. like I actually really appreciate that about my body um, or my emotional system anyway. And um, it, it just has its own timeline. Like I, I don't, I don't set aside time for it. I just, I give it time when I feel like it's arising. And so that definitely happened. Maybe uh, what are we now? We're in like the middle of April almost. So I think it was about two and a half weeks ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Where I just had that time to like, pre-grieve and grieve the the possibility that like, should this really, really continue <clears throat> and should something happen? Like maybe I'll never get to see my dad again mm. in person. Maybe, I don't know. Mm. Um, and yeah, actually like sitting with that and, and just letting the emotions flow from there. Well, they, they definitely flowed <laughs> in many, many tears. <laughs> um, and yeah, my heart felt pretty heavy. Um, but that was, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't feel helpless about it. Um, just sad at that possibility. Mm -hmm. And I think right now where I'm at, I don't feel like that's, um, I don't, I don't feel like that's very likely, Mm -hmm. I guess, data wise and also just intuition or gut wise. And it's really only my dad that that I'm worried about. Cause like, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That's yeah. My mom's much younger. Um, my brother is healthy as a horse and uh, just, I mean, not that it hasn't affected healthy people. I get that obviously, but, um, just in terms of, you know, likelihood. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like the quality of our relationships haven't like, hasn't shifted so much as, um, my, my relationship to and processing of death and, Mm. um, just reacquainting myself with grief, uh, which is an emotion that I haven't felt in this particular way in about 15 years, like actually uh-huh. a little bit more than that. Cause that was, uh, when all like all, three of my remaining grandparents died within a year and a half span at the beginning of high oh, school. Basically, for me. Yeah. So that was a really like 
grief ridden time. Um, and I haven't had close family members die since then. So yeah, just getting reacquainted with grief being like, Oh, hi, <laughs> that's what mm. you like. Um, yeah, that's what it's been like. Yeah. When I was thinking about talking to you today, this word kept coming up in my mind, um, the word fluid. And I, I think it's, it's really interesting. And I, I'm wondering if you could speak more to, to either how you knowingly or unknowingly got to the space where you can process emotion like that and move through it so so mm. beautifully and kind of like you you trust the process enough that you can surrender to it and just know that it will you'll come out the other side like having expressed it you know and it's like was that a conscious thing that happened for you was it a a practice that you've developed or just no <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could give you like these are the steps. No, No, I mean, such a legit question though, right? Because how I mean, all of us deal with very challenging emotions. We're human Mm -hmm. beings. That's that's how we're wired. Or if we've experienced trauma, then we we experience, you know, we might experience no emotions, and that's difficult and presents its own problems as well. No, uh, good questions. Okay. There's like, there were like kind of two or three questions in that. It's like, how do I intuitively process that? How do I know that I'll come out the other side? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll answer the second one first. So the, the trust and knowing like the deep, deep knowing that I'll come out the other side, uh, of, you know, an evening of crying, for instance, like mm-hmm. that, that won't spiral for me is, um, just experience with depression and experience mm-hmm. with, um, experience with like deep prolonged periods of shadowiness, um, in, if not myself in the people around me, mm-hmm. like close family members and knowing that there is always another side because I've just been through that a couple of times by now. Um, that, I, I don't know, that just, it just gives me like both familiarity with the territory of grief, like the quality of the territory, what does it feel like? And the, the fact that, you know, it, it goes by and eventually passes. Um, yeah, I think the longest stint for me or like <laughs> stint is a weird word to have come to mind. Although <laughs> my longest stint with depression, it's like <laughs> such a shitty word. I apologize. Um, no, I, I would say like seven or eight months was probably the longest that I've ever um, had prolonged symptoms of depression or like have had that heavy weight weighted hopeless feeling that like, grinds on day after day, no matter what you do to try to like get back to feeling like yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. and that was now, I guess a long time ago now it's been, Oh, that would have been like 2012 to 2013 sometime in that time frame for about six, seven, maybe eight months. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and I, even in that time though, I don't know, there's like, I don't know if it is like a spirit thing or a spiritual thing or just like a knowledge of my deep, deep, deep self thing. But I have always felt that that my spirit is strong enough to handle a shit ton of shit (laughs) 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 to use great, you know, eloquent language. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I don't know. I don't know. I, I think, 
I don't know. I mean, we could have a, this is where we could go down rabbit holes of my religious beliefs around reincarnation or whatever. <laughs> but um, I just, I just feel very strongly uh, that there's a core of me that is unchanging and I know what that place inside of myself feels like. Mm-hmm. And even if there are layers and layers and layers of like really dark, heavy stuff on top of that, that the, the core doesn't change. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm good. Like it's there. It's not <laughs> gone. It's just really, really weighed down or like covered. Um, yeah. Such a good question. Oof. Um, how did dance factor into that? Because you, 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 you dance well before all this happened, you were dancing like three to five times a week. Um, but like, where did that, have you always been a dancer or when did that start? Oh, cat. <laughs> These are, this is great. Like this is, you told me, you did give me the disclaimer. This is going to be like a life talk. Yep. <laughs> a life talk. <laughs> like, okay, cat, we'll see. <laughs> I think she's like, okay, when did you become a dancer? Well, Kat, my dear, I technically, depending on how you define being a dancer, (laughs) um, my mom, for context, she was a professional ballerina. So she's a ballet dancer from the time she was like 13, 14 onwards till about 30, 31. Mm -hmm. That was her profession. And she danced in the Boston Ballet, the Mm -hmm. Chicago Ballet Company, the Milwaukee Ballet Company, and she toured and all that. And didn't go to college until she was, um, until I was like seven, I want to say. Um, and that was when she actually like um, engaged with higher education. Um, so my point is she danced, um, up until she was five months pregnant with me Mm. on stage. So I was technically dancing on stages before I was born. Whoa. Nobody could say that. (laughs) No big deal. Very few people. Um, so that's kind of cool. And then, of course, you know, when, when she did have me and when she had my brother and um, especially when we were a little bit older, um, she, you know, every once in a while, the Milwaukee Ballet Company would need some small children to like run on stage in a costume, but not actually dance. And so, you know, we would we would be some of the go to's for those roles. Um, but yeah, I took classes from her for about three years when I was a kid. Um, I took ballet, tap and jazz. And then I realized that soccer felt way cooler. And so I switched and I said, you know, goodbye dance. I don't need you. That's that's my mom's thing. That's not me. (laughs) I'm going to do my own thing and, you know, be a tomboy over here and played lots of soccer. Um, But I got back into it through musicals in high school and ultimately at university um, joined a ballroom dance team after Mm. just having happening to live in a dorm with this woman who started um, a ballroom dance like group and was offering lessons and she saw that I had dance training and you know wanted to start a performance team and saw that I could learn choreography really quickly and had the muscle memory for it so ballroom dance was really like I would say the gateway drug for me (laughs) (laughs) it's it's so different dude (laughs) when you're dancing with another person especially if you have chemistry and you get to do it in a graceful elegant way it's like oh hot damn (laughs) Viennese waltz the shit out of you (laughs) it's like such a different feeling than oh here I am dancing ballet and like crushing my body with this excruciating sport Mm -hmm. um (laughs) so not that Viennese waltz is not excruciating sometimes um (laughs) Because it's very hard. However, yeah, so I would say ballroom was the gateway drug into partner dancing. And then from there, that sort of led me to the world of um, 
more just like chill Latin dances, not like ballroom Latin dances, but things like, um, you know, merengue, bachata, bachata sensual, like sensual bachata. Um, obviously salsa was like a big thing for me for mm-hmm. a long time, as you know. And um, eventually that led me to Zouk, which is where <laughs> I'm happily sitting today. Your face just lit up when you said Zouk. <laughs> because it's my soulmate you know <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm like blushing like oh Zouk come back to me Zouk it's a Brazilian dance and it um it's actually interesting it kind of is bringing it full circle in the way that uh Zouk originates in a couple of different places but um it's from Brazil as I mentioned uh the roots of the dance come partly from Lambada uh, which is like a, a Brazilian traditional dance which has its roots in Africa and then um, basically Europeans um, brought, you know, the ballet technique and they were in Brazil as well, you know, being their colonizing selves as per mm-hmm. usual. Um, but what they did do is they took ballet and they layered it onto lambada. And so they have, mm-hmm. essentially you have from like your, I guess, waist down these beautiful lines and you're really, you know, staying like quite in line with your technique, but then your upper body is doing all sorts of rolling, undulating, you know, mm. um, more circular flowy movements. And um, the two of those, I think that juxtaposition is actually really beautiful um, when you have a really stable base and then you can flow and play on, on sort of the upper half of your body and make all sorts of interesting shapes and, mm. you know, do it with a partner. Cause you can't really, I mean, you can dance ballet with a partner, but it's more like a I don't know, in little scenes, mm-hmm. than, you know, the connectivity of a partner dance. So, mm. yeah, I think that was really detail oriented. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I actually, I, we've never talked about like the origins of Zook and like, I had no idea it started like on the, on the basis of ballet. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you, what is it like? Cause I know so you basically the answer is you've been dancing for most of your life, arguably before you were born. <laughs> but I could have said it that way. <laughs> I appreciate the detail, though. Yeah. Um, but like, how has how has discovering Zook and kind of just like going all in to that process of knowing yourself? It's like this beautiful mix of like structure and surrender. How? How has your um cat phrase? Wait, hold on, everybody. She just said a cat phrase. <laughs> she did it. She like summarized everything that I said and put beautiful words to it. This is like oh. superpower structure and surrender. Okay, and now surrender. you can. <laughs> <laughs> how has how has that learning to engage with that? How has that changed how you feel about yourself? And mm-hmm. just has it carried over into your work and your relationships and. Um, or is it simply a just a mode of expression for all the things? <laughs> it is kind of all the things. That's mm-hmm. true. Um, uh, the first like words kind of come to mind uh, with Zook are, are flow and femininity because mm-hmm. that's been a process of being more, much more feminine in my dance. Um, so I'll kind of explain what I mean by that. Like when I when and this is just my experience. Everybody's going to have their own felt experience (laughs) when they dance a dance like it's going to be different because that's just you know we're different humans um when i dance salsa i don't necessarily feel feminine i feel flashy i feel powerful i sometimes feel sexy depending on who i'm dancing with what the song is etc maybe what i'm wearing if i'm ovulating all these things right Mm -hmm. um 
when I dance Zouk, it's much more a practice in surrender, listening, trust, like patience. Oh my God, so much patience. Mm. Uh, It's like such a, that's kind of the reason why it's one of my soulmate dances or like right now it is my soulmate dance because it's fucking teaching me shit. You know, it's like, yo, Ginger, slow down, listen, 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 do not anticipate. Like I thought that I knew that from ballroom because you obviously can't back lead. That's some bullshit right there. Same with salsa. But with Zook, it's like you're operating with a, an, an X axis, a Y axis and a Z axis as well. And if, if you try to anticipate, you will hurt your neck. <laughs> you will hurt it badly. And so um, that practice of just even a lot of the turns are done completely with your eyes closed. That's unheard of in ballet. That's unheard of in salsa. Um, you just, you don't do that. Like you spot, you look where you're going and you, you hit your marks, right? With Zook, it's so different. Um, so it's much more of a, an embodied like trance experience um, if I were to compare it to maybe like, I don't know, more ecstatic dance styles, it's kind of more in that direction, but with form, with structure, like you said. Um, and for me, that's just been such a, a learning process. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to truly put that feeling into words yet. Um, how do you access that in yourself like that? Like, cause you know, coming from, like ballroom dancing. Sorry, that's bear. <laughs> Hi, bear. <laughs> Imperfection is the name of the game for this recording. Um, <laughs> but um, like, how do you do? You remember the moment when you when you let go enough to like allow someone or just allow yourself to be in conversation with this person on a deeper level with another person through dance? Uh, See, this is a, like some, one of the funny things about me as a person. I have like, I don't know, my memory is funny. Like I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm a detail oriented person when yeah. it comes to like facts and figures, um, but not when it comes to memory. Like mm-hmm. for memory, it's really only like peak experiences that super, super stick into my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know if like, I can't pinpoint like the first time that I felt that, yeah. but like I felt that for myself, but I can say that when I went to my first Zook Congress, actually it wasn't even Zook Congress. Technically it was still mm. salsa Congress, but there was a Zook um, workshop. And I saw my current teacher dancing with one of the top male leads um, in Brazilian Zook in the world. Um, mm. He's based down in uh, Florida. And I saw them dance together. And this is the first time that I'd, I've ever seen Zook. And I felt the sensuality, like, like, mm super electric between mm-hmm. them in the air, the, the flow and the conversation that was happening between their bodies was like mm-hmm. insane. It was insane. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so turned on by it. I was so lit up. Like I, I was physically turned on. I was like, Oh my God, like I'm watching something <laughs> that like, I need to breathe. I need <laughs> Am to, I like, allowed to watch this? I, yeah, like, are we, sh- is this okay? Like she was mm-hmm. someone filming this, like what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> um, and and, and part of that was real chemistry. Like I found out later on and like, you know, that had its own trajectory. And, um, but the, the expression of the dance itself, like I had never seen that type of, um, like really dropped in feminine sensuality mm. in a fully accepted container, fully mm. accepted, 
with really clear boundaries, a clear lead, a clean lead, um, not, no skin, you know, like super, super feminine sensuality is often met with either like total rejection yeah. <laughs> or, 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 um, total acceptance and then domination or creepiness or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and this was like one of the first times I think that I can pinpoint where just seeing that it was a beautiful expression of like what true sensuality can look like and feel like mm-hmm. and how that conversation of sensuality can happen. In this case, it happened to be between, you know, a man and a woman, um, right. but in general, um, Oh, it was, yeah. Like that stands out to me. Um, mm. So then my own experience fumbling around <laughs> with Sook. <laughs> yeah. So not that I haven't had good flow moments since then, you know, I've been mm-hmm. training obviously for about two years now and going to congresses and there have been plenty of beautiful, yummy, super, super yummy, um, relaxed, intuitive flow moments at, um, you know, workshops and congresses for sure. So mm. yeah, feels mm. so good. And thanks for asking. So it feels really good to talk about it, especially because I can't, you know, I can't go and dance with those people. Yeah. Right now. So and I know you and Johnny have been dancing a little bit, right? Are you still doing that at home? <laughs> Not so much. Here's the problem, Kat. And I'm sure you can, you can understand this, as can anyone who is listening with a partner where they are skilled in something and you are not, and they're trying to teach you. Mm-hmm. It's very patronizing. <laughs> Even when you don't mean it to be, even when you're just literally teaching them exactly what you would teach a totally new student who you didn't know. Nope, they're your partner. So, so true. <laughs> <don't wanna> <laughs> um, yeah, so we are currently not practicing <laughs> too much. <laughs> mostly because I don't want him to get sick of me. I also don't want to get sick of him because who mm-hmm. knows how long this quarantine thing is going to last. So That is so true. Yep. It's like, it's like every time you try to teach your partner something, it's like, it's like you're speaking through like the megaphone or like some sort of megaphone. That's like, <laughs> like it, it has a totally different, it comes out in a totally different way than you intend it. And it's, it lands on their ears in a completely different way. And it's just like, well, a hundred percent, but you just you mean so well, mm-hmm. oh, but like, it doesn't land that way. Oh. Alas, alas. Um, The good news is that's not just for us lowly, you know, practitioners. It also happens to, for instance, like my dance teacher. um, Mm -hmm. She is the expert in Zouk. Her boyfriend is is also, um, they're both actually experts in Mm -hmm. bachata. When she tries to teach him Zouk, it's the same thing. Doesn't matter that she's a fucking expert. She's been around the world teaching, performing, et cetera, et cetera. Like, nope, (laughs) it does not matter. It's it's just the relational dynamic. Uh, yeah, I, I take comfort in that fact. So. Mm. Yes. <laughs> well, I, um, I want to be respectful of time. And, um, and so I'm going to wrap this up and I want to, I just like going back to what I mentioned at the beginning of our talk of just like, um, pouring something a little bit different into the world. And I just want to open the floor to you, um, to kind of wrap it up and it doesn't have to be well formed or perfect or anything, but, um, I guess what is something that you would like to to pour into the world through like this conversation or just something that you have seen it, that that impacted you that you'd like to share? Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, first of all, I want to just say this has been real fun <laughs> like, <laughs> like, in a really yummy, nice way. Mm. Um, and I hope that, yeah, whoever's listening has gotten just some good vibes out of it. I really mm-hmm. feel like the good vibes are so necessary. You know, we're not meant to live in 
chronically stressed environments. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's at any level of society. We're just, we're, we're not supposed to live like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel really strongly about that. So yeah, anything, anything that we can do to just share whatever's mm-hmm. like from coming from a place of like life affirmation and heart, <laughs> soul, like that for me is what I would love to suffuse mm-hmm. um, into just people's lives right now. Um, as far as um, perhaps like to be a little bit more traditional and go back to the, you know, old podcasting roots for a moment. Uh, they always like to ask you like, what's your one call to action? Or like, <laughs> the, you know, let's do a rapid fire or fast oh, five. Like, I know it's like so masculine. It's so funny. <laughs> oh my God. I just laugh at it nowadays. Um, okay. So, so in the spirit of not that, but kind of that, um, I, I really, really would love it. To, to just like hear any feedback that people have on how they felt listening to our conversation just now. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's like, I, I have these types of inspiring conversations um, pretty regularly with friends, not online, not recorded. Um, we each, you know, know what it does to impact our day and how, how it uplifts us. But whenever I've done these types of interviews or whatever you want to call them, conversations in the past, very rarely do I get to hear the feedback um, from mm-hmm. people listening. And I don't know if that's out of like shyness or just because it's not a priority and everybody's got a lot to, to do. Um, but not now. Ha-ha. <laughs> Everyone here listening, you don't have that much to do. I know you have a little bit more time. <laughs> Unless you're in healthcare and totally fair. Really, really love what you're doing. Um, thank you so much. If you are in healthcare, we love you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but everybody else, <laughs> pretty much, you know, with exceptions, I would, I would just love to hear, you know, what kind of impact this made on your day or on the last hour of your life. Because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's something that just makes me feel, I don't know, makes me feel like I matter. And I think that's a really human need. Um, and other than that, my call to action is start noticing the signs of spring around you because that shit is delicious. It's yes. great. It's exciting. It's like, little surprises for cats and big bonus. um, I think it really, really helps in terms of aligning yourself to the natural energy of the seasons. And Mm. that is the most hippie thing that I will say, aside from my bit about reincarnation earlier. (laughs) I'm done. That's it. I love it so much. (laughs) Notice the springtime. Notice the springtime. (laughs) Look at the flowers, people. Look at the flowers. Really look at them. Look at them. They're so colorful. And like, there's like puppies and shit outside now. You know, they have so fluffy many butts. Puppies. Like there's, there's so many fluffy butts, you know, wandering mm-hmm. around. Anyway. Everywhere. Yeah. What about you, Kat? Would you say something as well? About what I would like to. Yeah. Like what would you like to suffuse? Hmm. Well, this, um, these conversations are definitely a part of it for sure. Um, I think that what I would like to suffuse into the world is um, is just a. I'd like to pour some um, I think really what it comes down to is some self forgiveness <laughs> um, of like I think that we are in this place and we're having this experience that we're having. And we're like many, many of us are in danger in one way or another. And I think that 
in a lot of ways we created this for ourselves. And I think, I don't know, but I feel personally like I'm going through a lot of grief around um, the part I've played in, um, in creating this hardship on the planet as a whole. And I don't know if that resonates for other people, but I, I do, I feel a sense of responsibility in this. And, um, and I think that in having this idea for, to share these conversations is like, is just a little way of, of showing that we are all doing the best we can and it's okay to forgive ourselves and our mistakes and, um, the terrible things we've done to ourselves and each other and the planet. And, um, and that they're really, that each of us just means so much, like what you were saying of just like, like there's so much meaning to be had everywhere, like in, in all the flowers and all the, the, the hugs that we're no longer allowed to give, but like the virtual hugs that we give each other and the ways that we check on friends. And, um, it just feels like a period of deep forgiveness. Um, like the planet is forgiving us. And I think that we can forgive, ourselves and each other as well so that is a very necessary part of any healing Mm -hmm. any healing and that is what a what a beautiful way to wrap that up i really love what you just said thank you Mm. thank you thank you so much for sharing this time with me i love you so much love you (laughs) (laughs) definitely and uh yeah um i think everybody else who's listening Thanks for your time too. Yes, thank you. And please, like Ginger said, um, please let us know how this um, affected you and what you're taking away. Thank you. Bye, Ginger. Okay, bye, love. Talk to you soon. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me today for this installment of the Story of My Life conversation series. If you or someone you know would like to share a conversation with me, please email me at kat, K-A-T, at tellyourdamnstory.com. Until next time, story on. (laughs) 